0: There is huge amount of challenges facing ordinary people on every day and in every walk of life. Whether it is transporting goods to the market, whether it's having access to schools for their children, whether it's going to get medical help and assistance, life is a struggle.
1: Hello, this is the Weekly Tradecast, a podcast brought to you by UNCTAD, the UN's trade and development body. I'm Sarah Toms. We're exploring how major events are shaping trade and development and how that affects billions of people around the world. This week, we're looking at the unique challenges for landlocked countries that impede their trade and development. There are 32 developing countries without access to the sea, leaving them with far higher bills to import and export goods by road and rail. In many places, poor infrastructure and border bureaucracy add time, cost and complication. These extra demands put even more pressure on vulnerable economies, being hit by higher costs of food, energy and debt. So what's the key to unlocking better prospects for trade and development? Joining me now to explain is senior economist, Musi Deline from UNCTAD's Division for Africa, Least Developed Countries and Special Programs. He's worked on developing countries for 30 years and is passionate about data-driven and evidence-based development policies. In his spare time, Musi enjoys reading, hiking, and listening to music. Well, welcome to the show, Musi, it's good to have you.
0: Thank you, Sarah, for having me today.
1: Looking at a day in the life of people and economies, how much different are things for developing countries with coastlines and those locked in the interior? In a typical landlocked country, we
0: always talk about the problem of global integration high cost of trade, difficult logistics, difficult terrain. But we rarely speak of the interior problems of these countries. Some of these countries, they are hugely mountainous. Some of them are just adjacent to deserts. Some of them are really having difficulty to contain some of the landslides, for example, floods coming from torrential rains over the mountains and kind of things. There is huge amount of challenges facing ordinary people on every day and in, in, in every walk of life. Whether it is transporting goods to the market, whether it's having access to schools for their children, whether it's going to get medical help and assistance in those mountains, mountainous and very difficult places is absolutely
1: challenging. It's life is a struggle. What impact do these disadvantages have on healthcare and also education, investment, and trade? One of
0: the challenges, you know, the logistics. Imagine a landlocked country where transporting goods takes you hours and hours. Imagine a country where there is no cold storage facilities. How are you going to transport vaccination, for example? Vaccines are precious and also perishable quickly. We have seen these situations during the COVID time. Now, the problem for landlord countries that emanate from the logistics, which affects directly the people, also relate to the dependency of these countries that they have on neighboring countries. The political relationship that you have with the neighboring countries, the quality of infrastructure that these countries have. So there is multiple dependency on the conditions of the transit neighboring countries. It affects not only more normal tradable goods, that's we call them, but goods that are vital for the survival of people. You know, child nutrition, child food, which you import. There is a huge amount of work that is necessary to address those gaps in terms of not only international development assistance, but also in terms of reorienting development policies in these countries. One, policies that will scale up their productive and production capabilities, policies that really link their infrastructure facilities to these sectors. Of their economies where they have comparative advantages. But development partnership also is vital for the survival. If now I think 10, nine or ten of the landlocked developing countries are extremely in a kind of debt, external debt distress situation. So if the indebtedness and the debt service obligation of these countries, cut resources from away from investment in mm. critical issues such as addressing education health and also the road and road transportation it is going to be you know very difficult for these countries to leapfrog
1: and to address some of the, the development challenges that they have. How can a country that's already struggling to pay its bills be able to create the right climate to attract investment?
0: One of the problems for landlocked developing countries, actually, it's their geographical situation itself doesn't allow them to attract, you know, to compete equally with countries that have, for example, access to the sea or maritime countries. Because for investors, transportation is a key component in decision making not only resources. Those countries provide lavish incentives to attract foreign direct investment, but most of the time at the expense of their own domestic enterprises and domestic firms. So most of the firms in these countries are very weak and they are not integrated, and they have difficulty to hook into regional and global value chains. So if they enhance the capabilities and capacities of their own domestic private sector, it will be extremely vital for them also to attract foreign direct investment. Resources are not the only magnet to attract a foreign direct investment. Your infrastructure, the logistics, the political stabilities, the way you handle your own private sector, the policies that you put in place, these are extremely vital to have foreign direct investment.
1: Why are uh, landlocked developing countries particularly vulnerable to external shocks, like the pandemic, yes. but also natural disasters yes. and climate change?
0: Most of the time, we speak of landlocked developing countries as homogeneous group of countries. Mm. These are extremely diverse group of countries, both in terms of location, geographical location. Now, their vulnerability to, to shocks, whether it's economic, health. Or natural disasters is linked to also their economic structures. Any country that is heavily dependent on the production and export of raw material to the global economy. The moment there is a swing either in international commodity prices or a change in global demand, these are the countries that will be immediately victims of such crisis because their excessive dependence on commodities. So there is no value addition, there is no transform, a transformation, which means there is no employment opportunity that the sectors are creating. These are the countries that were disprop- disproportionately hit by the crisis because their integration already was the one of the weakest. These are the countries that became most vulnerable to the shocks. So geography itself plays an important role, but climate and you know, climate change, these are not unique only to landlocked countries. Even developed countries are having problems. Climate change is global, but the impact on the most vulnerable is disproportionate.
1: Without moving mountains yeah. then and reworking the map, what can be done by countries and yeah. others yeah. to relieve some of these problems and, and open the way to greater development?
0: What we have been advancing for many years now is for these countries really to have the right policies, li- right policy framework. The policies that are key to uh, you know unlocking some of the binding constraints they have, policies that harness their natural potential. What does this mean for landlocked developing countries? The countries that are agricultural or agrarian really must valorize the rural economy. It is their survival for food security, for employment generation. So investing in agriculture, sustainably harnessing those agricultural resources is key for landlocked developing countries. Landlocked developing countries also have huge biodiversity, the biodiversity resources. Resources That can be really harnessed for the benefit of the economy. Some of them have foods that have nutritional values, or medicinal or pharmaceutical values. They have huge potential to diversify and to. Now, this even this niche market, now is estimated to grow to reach six hundred billion US dollars by 2013. Some of them have also water resources. They have to really make good use of those resources for electricity generation or for tap water. Others are largely commodity dependent. They have crucial minerals. For them, the key is adding value, transforming those economic sectors where they have comparative advantages. It's not easy. Development won't come in one day or one year. So it's a process, but they have to start somewhere. Okay, well, thank you so much, Missy,
1: for that. Thank you to UNCTAD's Missy Delaline for being this week's guest. Tune into the Weekly Tradecast next week and every week for more insights on the most pressing issues around the world of trade and development. And there's even more on our website, unctad.org. I'm Sarah Toms in Geneva. Goodbye for now.